Amen. I'd invite you to turn with me in God's Word to the Gospel of John and to the chapter 3. The Gospel of John and to the chapter 3. And this, of course, is a tremendous chapter in God's Word, a chapter that I'm sure is familiar to most, if not all, of us this evening. This morning we were in Genesis chapter 3 and we indicated that it is a fundamental chapter in the Word of God. And certainly John chapter 3 would also be a fundamental chapter of great importance. We're going to read from John 3 and the verse 1 and it concerns that conversation that the Lord had with Nicodemus. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know. And testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven." And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. We land there at verse 15. May the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious, inspired, and infallible word. going to look together in God's precious word to John chapter 3. 
We have read a section from this chapter, John chapter 3, and at the commencement of the word tonight, we want to draw your attention to the verse 14. John chapter 3, the verse 14, the words of the Saviour as he spoke to Nicodemus. And he said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I want to speak tonight on the lifting up of Christ. But let's just unite our hearts together in a brief word of prayer to ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his word. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, we do thank thee tonight for thine own precious word. And we thank thee that thy word is truth. We praise thee that we have the good news of the gospel before us. And we pray tonight, O God, for help in the ministry of that word. And we thank thee that in the Lord Jesus Christ there are hid all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. And we pray that in and through our Lord and Saviour tonight we would know that needed wisdom and knowledge, that help, O God, from heaven, even in the ministry of the gospel this night. And we pray, our Father, that thou wouldst use that which is of thyself, and thou wouldst use it to thine honour and to thy glory. And our earnest prayer would be to the salvation of some precious soul. Father, hear our prayer, and for this short time around thy word, shut us into thy presence, and give to each one that listening ear and that understanding heart. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Three times in the Gospel of John we can read of the Saviour being lifted up. Here in this text of Scripture, John 3 and the verse 14, it's the first time that it occurs in the Gospel of John. The Lord here is in conversation with Nicodemus. And he said to Nicodemus there in that 14th verse, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The lifting up of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then if you look further over in John's Gospel to chapter 8. And here in John chapter 8 the Lord is in conversation with the scribes and Pharisees. And going down John chapter 8 to the verse 28. We read then said Jesus unto them. When ye have lifted up the Son of Man. Then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. When ye have lifted up the Son of Man. And then the third occasion that it occurs in the Gospel of John is found in chapter 12. And here the Lord has been approached by some of his disciples. 
And there are certain Greeks here in this chapter that were desiring to see Jesus. But as the disciples approach the Lord and he enters into conversation with them, he says in John 12 and the verse 32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Three occasions when the Saviour himself speaks about being lifted up. Now for some of his hearers, most especially the Jewish hearers, when the Lord spoke about being lifted up, they would have thought that he was speaking about being lifted up by way of honour. And they would have desired that the Lord would set up his earthly kingdom and that he would be lifted up upon an earthly throne. That he would be lifted up with power, lifted up with dominion, the setting up of his kingdom. But that was not the lifting up that the Lord Jesus Christ was referring to. In fact, it was a very different kind of lifting up that the Saviour was speaking about. They said here in our text of Scripture in John 3 and 14 that it was as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. And that's the parallel that the Lord was drawing from that Old Testament account in Numbers chapter 21. And the Lord is referring back to that time whenever Israel, the children of Israel were in the wilderness. And you remember how it tells us in that chapter that they began to murmur and to complain. And they murmured against God and against Moses. The Lord sent fiery serpents in amongst the camp of Israel. Those fiery serpents began to bite the Israelites. And those who were bitten... And suffered that venomous poison going into their body. They died. And many were dying within the camp of Israel. And they cried to Moses. And Moses cried to God for a remedy. The Lord gave him a remedy. And the Lord gave Moses instructions there. To make a serpent of brass just similar to the serpents that had come in amongst the camp. Difference of course there would be no venom in this particular serpent. But he was to take that serpent made out of brass. And brass in the Bible speaks of judgment. And he was to lift that brazen serpent up upon a pole. And any who were bitten by the fiery serpents, they only had to look to the serpent upon the pole. And they would live and not die. The Lord in conversation with Nicodemus, he's saying, Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up that serpent upon the pole, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And therefore, without question, the lifting up of the Lord Jesus Christ that he is referring to here is speaking about his crucifixion. 
It's about him being suspended upon the cross of Calvary and hanging between heaven and earth. It's about the Saviour being nailed to the accursed tree. The New Testament, this would be the earliest reference of Christ himself to his own death. Here it is in John 3 and the verse 14. He's referring here to his death. He's referring to his crucifixion. He's referring to being lifted up upon the cross of Calvary. And so he wasn't going to die by stoning. He wasn't going to die by being beaten. He wasn't going to die in the storm on the sea. He wasn't going to die in the garden of Gethsemane. No, he was going to be lifted up upon the cross of Calvary. He would die by crucifixion. He would die by being lifted up. And I want us to think for just a short time together about the lifting up of the Lord Jesus Christ. Firstly, the reason for his lifting up. And the reason is really given in that final verse that we read from John chapter 3. We ended our reading there at the verse 15. And so we've just had the Savior making reference to being lifted up. And then verse 15 starts with the word that. And the word that in the English language is to demonstrate something. It's a demonstrative pronoun. And it's going to demonstrate a purpose. It's going to reveal a reason. And why is it that the Lord Jesus Christ would be lifted up? Verse 15 says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's why the Savior would be lifted up upon that center tree. The reason that Christ would be lifted up upon the cross was to save souls from perishing. Save souls from perishing in their sin. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Should not perish. Souls are in danger of perishing. Souls are drifting downwards, precious souls for whom Christ died. And just like those Israelites in the Old Testament who were bitten by the fiery serpent, so we have been bitten by sin. That old serpent, all of sin, comes short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. That's death eternal. And souls that are not saved are in danger of perishing. And they need to have a remedy. And here the remedy is shown to us. It's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Just like the serpent would be raised up upon the pole. So he would be raised up upon the cross of Calvary. He would be lifted up. Notice how our text says in verse 14, even so must, must the Son of Man be lifted up. Oh, that word must. 
That's such a strong term. It's a very strong term to indicate an absolute necessity. That there was no alternative, there was no other plan, there was no other option. But the death of the Lord Jesus Christ in order to save souls from perishing. He must be lifted up. That's the same must that appears in verse 7 of this chapter. When it says ye must be born again. And we know that the new birth is an absolute necessity. If anyone is ever going to be in heaven, ye must be born again. And you cannot get around that must. That's the same must that's used in the synoptic gospels when the Saviour said that the Son of Man must suffer. He must suffer many things. Here is the must of Calvary. The must of the Saviour's death being lifted up upon that tree. The absolute necessity of Christ's death. And there's another necessity in these verses. The necessity is that the soul comes to trust in Christ. You see verse 15. That whosoever believeth in him. And that soul that is a sinner transgressed God's holy law in danger of perishing they must come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to believe in him look of faith just the way those Israelites that were bitten by the fiery serpents they just had to look to the brazen serpent and they would be healed They just had to look to the brazen serpent and they would live. And can you see the parallel that the Savior himself is drawing? That as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And when you look by faith to Christ and you rest upon the finished work of Calvary, you'll not perish. You'll be healed. Your sin-sick soul will be healed. Your sin will be dealt with, cleansed away in the Saviour's precious blood. And you will know that life, that abundant life, that eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. They love the word in verse 15, whosoever. Surely that includes you tonight. We were singing that hymn. At the commencement of her service about the wondrous love of Jesus. The verse in that hymn that says, Whosoever means me better than my name. Anyone, everyone, is not that the same? That word whosoever. That means you tonight in this gospel meeting or to others that would listen online. If you're not saved. And you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can look to him tonight just with that look of faith. And you'll not perish. But you will have eternal life. That's the reason why the Savior was lifted up upon the cross. In order that precious souls would be saved. 
But I want you to think secondly about the realization that's in this lifting up. If you turn to that second occurrence of the phrase, it's in John chapter 8 and it's the verse 28. We've already read the verse by way of introduction. But the Saviour here in John 8 and verse 28, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he. The realization in the lifting up of the Lord Jesus Christ. The references being made again by the Saviour to his crucifixion. But there's also a reference here to that particular time. And he says then. That time when he would be nailed to the tree. That time when he would be lifted up. Then shall ye know. There's going to be something of a realization. Then shall ye know. Verse 28. That I am here. And if you look closely at that verse of scripture, you can see there that the word he is in italics. And that means it wasn't in the original language of the New Testament, but it's put in to give us uh, something of an understanding of the verse. But it could be read without the word he. That when the Son of Man is lifted up upon the cross, then shall ye know that I am. And I am is an Old Testament title of the Lord. Do you remember whenever Moses was being sent by the Lord to be Israel's deliverer, and he was to go to Egypt and to speak to Pharaoh in order that the children of Israel would be delivered out of Egypt. And Moses said to the Lord, well, who will I say has sent me? And in Exodus chapter 3, the Lord said to him, say, I am hath sent me. I am hath sent me. And that title there, I am, is a reference to the eternal God, the Lord. Speaking about the great creator, speaking about the one who is Jehovah, speaking about our sovereign. And there's a realization here that the one who is nailed to the tree is the I am. The divinity. The deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the son of man. He's the son of God. That realization of the one that they have nailed to the accursed tree. The truth is that he is the second person of the Godhead. And there needs to be that realization. That he is the one who became our substitute. And he's the one who took our place and bore our sins in his own body as he hung there upon the tree. He's the one who became our perfect sacrifice. He's the blessed Son of God. John chapter 8, if you compare the verse 25, then said they unto him, Who art thou? Who art thou? A questioning here of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ by way of his identity. They clearly did not know the Lord. 
They did not know who he was. There was no appreciation that he was the Christ of God, the Messiah, the Lord's anointed. An ignorance of the person of Jesus Christ. What an ignorance there is abroad today of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And of the one who was nailed to that center tree. But the work of Christ upon Calvary as he is lifted up upon the cross. It would prove his identity. It would prove his person as to who he really was. That realization dawned upon the penitent thief. The one that was there right alongside the Lord Jesus Christ kneeled to that cross. And there deservedly so, but he looked to the Savior and he was able to say, But this man hath done nothing amiss. Even though earlier he had reeled upon Christ with his partner in crime. But as he looked to that center tree, he saw something more. He saw that the Lord Jesus Christ was indeed the Son of God and that he had a kingdom and that he was going to that kingdom. Therefore the penitent thief turned to the Lord and he said, Lord, remember me. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. A realization that the one nailed to that cross was indeed the Son of God. You remember the centurion? He stood there at Calvary. He was the one who was no doubt overseeing all that was taking place. Overseeing the crucifixion. He heard all that was said. He witnessed all that took place. And whenever the Lord Jesus Christ gave up the ghost upon Calvary, that centurion said, Truly, this man was the Son of God the truth there's a realization there of his person the eye of faith the eye of faith to see the one who is lifted up upon the cross is indeed the Christ of God he is the saviour was Isaac Watts who penned the words of the hymn alas and did my saviour bleed And did my sovereign die? The Lord Jesus Christ, the sovereign creator God. And he's kneeled there to the tree. Alas, and did my saviour bleed? And did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? If you've never come to that realization, oh, that you would come to it tonight. And you would see the one who was lifted up upon the cross of Calvary. You would see him as the Son of God. And you would accept him tonight as your Savior. And so you can see from these verses of Scripture the lifting up of Christ. The reason for that lifting up. The realization in that lifting up. But thirdly, the reassurance in the lifting up of Christ. And you look now to John chapter 12. And down there to the verse 32. 
And the Lord says in this verse, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And the reassurance here is found in the promise. There's a promise that the Lord gives as he makes this third reference to his lifting up and to his crucifixion. He's saying here with the promise attached, I will draw all men unto me. He will draw the work of the Savior. The work of the Saviour through the Holy Spirit of God. The drawing power of the Lord. You see the Saviour's work upon the cross of Calvary will not be in vain. The Saviour's work upon the cross of Calvary as he suffered and bled and died will not be a fruitless work. He wasn't lifted up upon the cross and going through all of that suffering, laying down his life just to make it possible for sinners to be saved. No, the great work of redemption accomplished upon the cross of Calvary meant that sinners would be saved. And thank God the Savior gives us that reassurance here. And he says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. The Saviour is going to draw souls unto himself. He's going to draw them to close in by faith with his offer of mercy. The Saviour who accomplishes salvation for his people. He said in John 6, in the verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And every soul is going to come to Christ one by one. And yet it's also in John chapter 6 and the verse 44 that the Lord said, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And you can see there's a reference here to a drawing power. Drawing souls onto the Saviour. Those tonight who were saved, they will be able to relate to what I'm saying tonight. There was that time in your life before you were saved when the Holy Spirit of God began to take a dealing with your heart and you felt the drawing of the Holy Spirit of God to Christ. You knew that the Spirit of God was striving with you. Revealing your sinful condition to you and showing you that refuge and safety for your soul and you were being drawn. The work of God the Holy Spirit in drawing the sinner to the Savior and he draws gradually at the first. Maybe troubled, burdened in soul. Wondering how you stand before the Lord. And the Holy Spirit begins to convict you. Reprove you. John 16 and the verse 8. And when he is come he will reprove the world of sin. And of righteousness and of judgment. The soul being brought under conviction of sin. And there's a pricking of the heart. Oh, he draws gradually. 
but he draws powerfully. That great work of God the Holy Spirit, that wonder-working power, that Holy Ghost power, that old-fashioned Holy Ghost power drawing the sinner to the Saviour. He draws gradually and powerfully and he draws effectually, irresistibly, whenever that soul will come to the point where they actually take that step of faith and they accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Saviour. And another soul has been drawn to Christ. I will draw all men unto me. Does that mean every individual is going to be saved? Is it a universal salvation that the Lord is referring to here? No, when he says, I will draw all men, you could see that the word men is in italics. I will draw all unto me. It's all of his people. But we could also say it's all men in relation to the scope of the gospel. It's to those from every nation. And there will be those drawn from every nation and people and kindred and tongues. All different kinds of individuals. All with different backgrounds. All with different characters. All with different depths of depravity. All kinds of men and women will be drawn to Christ. But but not every individual that's ever lived. I remember speaking to a man about salvation. And he said to me, there was a gospel mission years ago that came to my area, and I thought I would go to the gospel mission. But I didn't want to go by myself, so... He pleaded with a friend and he persuaded a friend who wasn't really that interested in going. But he accompanied him to the mission. The man I was speaking to said that night, the man I asked to come to the meeting got saved and I didn't. Isn't that a remarkable thing? An unsaved soul who asked another unsaved soul to go to the mission and the soul he asked, the one that got saved. Salvation is of the Lord. The Lord will have mercy upon whom he will have mercy. But I say to you tonight, if the Lord stirs your heart and the Lord troubles your heart and convicts your soul, then come to Christ. You feel the drawing power of the Holy Spirit of God. Come to Christ. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The lifting up of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts this evening. We're going to sing another hymn.